0: And uh, we do have a women's meeting, it's at 3 o'clock on Tuesday afternoons and I am unable to attend it because I work during that hour. And I've been missing women's meetings. Um, without women being in AA, uh, I would not be in AA. When I came to AA, was introduced to this program, it was through a woman I called in desperation. And I didn't trust men. If I'd had to rely on a man in order to get to this program, I'm sure I would have walked into the ocean first. And uh, I came to this program with the philosophy and the political beliefs of a radical feminist behind me. Um, I bottomed out in the town of Seaside, Oregon. Totally bottomed out 11 months ago and I was uh, trying to make a decision between walking into the sea and going to Burnside in Portland and I'm real old to be down back out on the street. I have been on the street. I started my career as an alcoholic on the street. Um, fortunately, there was a woman in this community to whom I could reach out. I came to Clouds of County to work with and for women and I worked with the battered women's program and I've been in a lot of support groups I had led a lot of support groups and organized a lot of support groups from women who had been through battering and or rape I thought that I had the capability to do that because I had outgrown and outlived an ex- an experience of that sort myself what I found was that uh, I could organize such things, but uh, as time went on, I could work less and less with the actual people because as they walked through the door, it was just like every booze and every stitch they brought into that room. I took on myself and I didn't know how to get rid of it. I didn't know how to get rid of the resentment of my own experience with it from years before. Um, and the more of that kind of, uh, the more of the renewal of that resentment and that pain, and uh, the more I drank. And the farther down I went. Um, I was real well unhappy about that at the time, you know, I knew I was dying. And I knew that I was poisoning myself to death. And I knew I had to get rid of those resentments and I had to get rid of the guilt that I carried as a woman uh, in the society but I didn't know how to do it. I found that other women could do it. I found that in in the groups that I supported and helped organize that a lot of women could do it just by giving each other mutual support and strength and the hope, you know, through their own experience, but I myself could not do it that way. Um, When I came to the program, my greatest fear, you know, I suffered from terminal uniqueness. Women like me can't da-da-da. I was very fortunate, too, that uh, I was taking a radical feminist publication from Baltimore, Maryland, and there was an article in that publication that said, we can get sober. Women with our philosophy, our attitudes, women like us can get sober. We can go to AA and get what we need to get sober. And I thought, God, maybe there's hope for me, you know. Maybe there's hope. And I carried that article around and I showed it to friends and I, I thought about it for as I was spiraling downward for three months. And it was, the only, it was the only chance left. I had uh, I'd been practicing for about 15, 16 years when I came to this program and I was physically, emotionally, spiritually, totally bankrupt. I had nowhere to go. Then I reached out, I called this woman, I said, I need help, I'm dying, I'm an alcoholic. And I can't live with myself anymore. I can't live with it and I can't live without it. And she sent me to treatment. And uh, when I went to the treatment center, I thought I'm different, I can't do this. And they gave me a counselor who was kind of woman that I didn't, uh, I didn't know very much. She was, uh, she, had a, she looked like she'd just come out of a beauty shop and she wore spiky heels and pretty dresses. And I thought, oh God, save me. I want that one over there. You know, she wore jeans and she, you know, she looked like, like, uh, like I felt inside and like more of the women that I knew. And they said, no, we've, we've selected this counselor for you. You know, you, you're, gonna, you're gonna go to this one. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot from that woman, you know, I learned I wanted what that woman had. But, you know, she did look different than I, and she was different than me in a lot of ways, but she was not different from me. She had what I wanted. She had 10 years of sobriety, and she had had the same feelings I had had, and she had gotten sober through the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And she told me if she could do it, I could do it, too. And... I love that woman very dearly, you know, that woman taught me so much about myself and so much about other people. Um, she opened the door for me. When I read the big book, I loved it, except I didn't like all the male pronouns in it. I didn't like God as I understand him because I didn't want a male God. And. Uh, I went to the chaplain there. I was an atheist. I called myself intellectually an agnostic, emotionally an atheist. But I wanted that power. I wanted that power. I didn't have any. And I wanted the power to give me the sobriety that I saw these other recovering alcoholics have. So I had a real desire for that power and I was afraid I couldn't have it. And um, I went to the chaplain who was a very <laughs> elderly gentleman. And he said to me that uh, I could have my own concept of God. And he referred me to the place in the big book where, you know, Bill W. was asked, why don't you choose your own concept of God? And I said, I can live with that. I can develop that. I can find that. You know, it doesn't have to be a certain gender. It doesn't have to be a certain look like, you know. And and with the trouble with the pronoun, there was a very wise woman at my treatment center when I was agonizing over that about the third day I was there and she said, Are you going to tell me that you are going to let a little pronoun in the English language stand between you and a chance for sobriety? And I said, well, that does sound a little ridiculous, you know. No, I'm not. I want sobriety. I want sobriety, you know. To heck with all these insignificant details, I don't care if the book's talking about men, I can relate to this, I know the feelings. And I did relate to the feelings, and I knew what alcoholism was. I defined, you know, I was able to define my illness through reading that book. And I'm thankful for that book, you know, I'm thankful for those people that started this uh, program. I wouldn't be alive today if it weren't for them either, you know but it was women who led me to the program, who guided me through the program, who gave me what I needed in order to honestly be able to conceive of myself with potential recovery from the illness of alcoholism. And I'm real grateful for that. And uh, I think there's a lot of power in a lot of women getting together and especially sober women getting together, you know, there's a there's an identity and a sharing and a caring that i just can't feel quite the same any place else i want to really thank you for being here it's real exciting it's a real wonderful experience for me um i'd like to call on somebody to come up and speak um it's going to be difficult and because i mostly know women from this area um, <clears throat> maybe what i'll do is um ask one person and that that woman can ask the next one so that we can get a little bit of variety and people from around the state or you know from different areas um Phyllis
1: You know I did that. I'm Phyllis and I'm a real alcoholic. A man pointed out that the reason I had that coat on was because I was afraid. And I'm not afraid of you. None of you. And there was a time when I was really afraid. And I'd never, ever, ever, you know, when I very first started going to women's meetings, it was because a sponsor of mine made me. She made me. And I went to a meeting with her one day. (laughs) And she was chairing the meeting, Wondered why she wanted me to go, you know, and she said, oh, I want to call on this woman, and she has a wonderful program, and she's taught me so much, and she just went on and on and on, and then she called on me, and I said, I'm Phyllis, I'm a real alcoholic, and I don't want to fuck to be here, remember that? Yeah, oh, that meeting stuck in a lot of people's minds for a long time, you know, sticks in mine, too. In no. February of this year, I went to a, a national conference for Women and Alcoholics Anonymous, and I sat in a room that there were 1,473 women in. <laughs> and
2: we
1: were all sober. There were a few men there, too. There was a certain woman there that had some special service, a special, um, what do they call them? Secret service people with her. She's a former president's wife, and, uh, but she has to treat her alcoholism the same way I do. She goes to meetings. You know? Anyway, I'm not going to talk long because I want to hear what everybody else has to say, too. I love conferences, and I love women's meetings, and in a very real way, it's the women in this program. You guys didn't help me get sober, you know. I couldn't talk to you for a long time because I didn't trust you, and you were in competition with me. You know, but after I started getting sober and I started hanging around and listening, it was the women that kept me sober. See, it's the loving and the caring that I experience in these rooms today that's keeping me sober and keeping me coming back. All kinds of women. Shit, there's many people and there's many kinds of cunts in this room as there ever were in the bars, you know? And there are a whole lot of ladies too, you know? There are a whole lot of ladies. And you know what? Someday I'm gonna get up here And I'm not going to have to say that anymore, you know? And I'm growing, and I can feel it, and it's super. Gee, there's so many beautiful ladies. God, I know people from all over in this room. I'd like to hear from that lady that took me to my very first women's meeting, a former sponsor of mine and somebody that I love like a sister. We even kind of look alike, so.
2: Sylvia, I'm an alcoholic. I'm you. you know, and I was, I was thinking as the first lady spoke and she was talking about, about being an activist, you know, and I thought, wow, you know, I was just too drunk to care about anything. <laughs> you know, I really didn't. I, 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 I just didn't care. The only thing that I could do was drink. The only, the only thing I could do was drink, you know, and, and, and I used to regret that. that I, I went my whole life and I never accomplished anything, you know, but the fact of the matter is, is that since I've been sober, I have had the best years of my life, and I doubt that I could have had them if I hadn't been a drunk first, you know, and, and I, I have to be grateful that I, I became an alcoholic, you know, and as for liking women, if it hadn't been for women, I would have been a very lonely person, you know, because men sure didn't like me, you know, and, and, and women gave me my place in life. I, I can remember all these women coming into A.A.s, I hate women, you know, and I said, man, I would sure have been in a bad place without them because women included me. They let me belong where they belong. They invited me to join their clubs in high school. They elect me to be an officer. And, and so I have been truly grateful that women have been in my life because I sure would have been lonely. But, you know, as for alcoholism, You know, I I had a hard time in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous because I had a lot of pride. I was unwilling to work the program, and the reason I talk about it every time I talk is because if there's somebody that's having trouble, don't. Just stop. You're going to have to anyway, you know, and uh, I can remember that my problems uh, stemmed from the fact that that, that I, I was unwilling to do it someone else's way, you know, and the program was too simple, just plain too simple, something that simple would not work for me. You know, and but but I'm grateful that I drank enough drinks. I'm grateful I had enough humiliations. I'm I'm grateful that I got to that point where where I said, okay, I give up. You know, I just plain give up. You know, and it was that point I became teachable. And uh, you know, it took every drink I drank to do that. You know, I want you to know this is the first time I ever talked in front of this many people. And 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 I really like it. And the reason I like it is because. I, the thing that I feel at every Alcoholics Anonymous meeting is a is a love that goes back and forth, you know. And this is just a lot more of it. It's really nice, and I appreciate it. Uh, I, that's really about all I've got to say. Uh, except that uh, I, I love you all, and and I thank you for for being in my life and and for helping me find a pathway that that is uh, uh, wonderful, you know. And that's that's the only way to express it is it's a wonderful pathway and and I'm grateful I'm an alcoholic today and I used to laugh at Diane if she's here because she'd say she's a grateful alcoholic and I said you are wrong but I am you know because I'm changing and, 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 and it's wonderful to know that I can change I was locked into every opinion every idea I ever had and some of them were uncomfortable and miserable and I don't have to stay there today anything that's causing me trouble today I can change you know and that's it's wonderful to know that, with the help of God and, and, and my friends in at, at, at AA. And uh, that's about all I've got to see. There are so many wonderful people here. And I know that everybody says, oh, don't call on me, don't call on me. <laughs> but I would like to, I'd like to hear from Isla.
3: I'm an alcoholic. And we never say no, and I don't think we ever get over being a little bit scared when we get up here in front of a microphone. And I always think of what my sister said to me. She's not an alcoholic, but she went to an AA meeting with me. And she said, well, Isla, I wouldn't be able to go to AA for help even if I were alcoholic. And I said, why do you say that? And she said, because I haven't had any public speaking. (laughs) And I do sit here and marvel at uh, the words that come out of our mouth, my own included, because uh, we don't know what we're going to say when we get up here. At least I sure don't. And I do remember uh, in school when we had to get up and give a dissertation and how, how corny it was. So the language of the heart just flows freely and we we all share it. Uh, My non-alcoholic husband came to my birthday party, and I asked him what he thought about the AA program, and he wasn't getting into AA at all. He was telling me all sorts of, oh, how beautifully I handled the meeting and all this jazz. And I said, that isn't what I mean. Uh, What did you think of the, the spiritual part of the program and the messages? And he said, well, if I had to listen to all those people's problems, I think it would drive me to drink. <laughs> so here again, uh, unless one is an alcoholic, I guess they just don't hear the same messages. I think back too, when I was brand new on the program, how each time I get a new thought, a new idea from someone at the podium, I would think, "Oh, isn't that great?" And now, after six years, it takes me a little longer to get the messages I'm looking for. And I was wondering about that, whether or not I wasn't listening as well as I used to listen. And then I thought, no, that really isn't it. I just don't have as many problems today as I had, and that's for darn sure. As I was breezing along Merrily on my way here, enjoying the scenery around me, I look out my back mirror and I see flashing lights. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> I didn't do it, did I? But the speedometer was over 55 miles an hour. So I pulled over, thinking, well, thank you, God, I do not have alcohol on my breath. And thank you, God, my record is now clean. I was sorry to have to louse it up. We did get a ticket, and it was 29 bucks, but I'm still glad I'm here. Thank you. And I'd like to call on this lady.
0: I'm Barbara and I'm now calling Natick. My life is totally unmanageable today. Got a cold and I was late. So, on the way over here, I had to turn it over in the car. You know, turn my life and my will over. And I was out there as a woman drinking in the bars, manipulating men to get some booze, you know, support my habit, marrying them. Sleeping with them, you no know, being with them, people pleasing them, so I could support my habit. I didn't like myself very much, and I didn't like men. When I got here, I got here in a rage. Okay, so for about 25 years, I was trying to control men, and I was trying to control booze all at the same time. And of course, I was powerless. And through all this manipulating and using and abusing and being abused and manipulated, I hated. I was in a rage. I didn't understand what was wrong with me. In fact, I used men as my biggest alibi, you know, to drink and use. And I said, well, if those some bitches get their act together, I wouldn't have to get drunk all the time. I wouldn't have to try and control them all the time. Of course, they never did. You know, I always put myself in situations where I was hurt. I placed myself in a position to be hurt. And this was through a disease called alcoholism. See, I thought I was a rotten person. I thought I was a tramp. I thought I was in fact, I was called all these things. a, a lush, you know, she's a drunk. Words I hated to hear. there's nothing worse than a drunken woman, you know. But all of the men out there, they, they looked just as rough as I did, it appeared to me. But um, the stigma of the woman alcoholic was uh, a double whammy to me. However, when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous and I was in a rage, first of all, I was going to have to give up alcohol and drugs. And that, uh, I hated the idea of that, but I didn't have much choice. And I hated men. And I hated women. And I hated me, but I had to keep having some excuses and alibis, you know, to be where I was at, very, very sick. This was before I accepted that I was real sick. A vision for you I couldn't understand. I I didn't have any visions. I just thought that I was going to give up booze and drugs and 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 I'd be the same person uh, with a whole lot of insanity and a whole lot of hate. What has happened as a result of Alcoholics Anonymous? To me is a miracle. Today I have an open mind. Today I don't have a hatred for my brothers, and I don't have a hatred for my sisters. And I don't hate the idea of giving up alcohol and drugs now. In fact, it feels okay. I mean, it's no big deal that I don't drink or use today. I have lost the desire for alcohol or drugs, and that is a miracle. I've lost the desire to see what I can finagle out of a man, you know, to get to manipulate or use. I don't need that anymore, these are the gifts of Alcoholics Anonymous. I can say for once in my life that I love being a woman. I hated being a woman. I hated the idea that a man could go out and work, a man could go out and make all this money, and I could go sling hash. I hated the idea that they had the financial power over me. What has happened as a result of Alcoholics Anonymous and through the 12 steps is I am self-supporting today. A power greater than me has given me the strength and the courage to go out and take care of myself. I don't have to use them anymore. Okay, and as my personal choice and through a lot of strength And any Alcoholics Anonymous group is a power greater than me. And there is a club in Portland, Oregon called Live and Let Live Club. And as a direct result of a greater power than myself in that club, I got free. I got free. I got free from a sexual identity crisis. I know who I am today. And I can accept who I am, for what I am. I don't have to hate being a woman and being in a powerless position. I got power today, and we've all got power. That's my opinion. We've all got power. The thing that I love about Alcoholics Anonymous is whether it's a women's meeting or it's a men's meeting, we've all got power. And I come together with my brothers today to keep breathing and to live happily, you know, joyous and free. I don't have to fight them anymore because I've ceased fighting everything and everyone. I can put my arms around today and say, I love you because you're clean and sober and you're getting happy. What can I do to help you? I can 12-step them today and say, if you want what we have, join us. Do what we did. I can do that with, with love. No more resentment. There are still personalities in this program that I react to, and that's where Tradition 12 comes in. Thank God it saves my bacon. But um, I'm really grateful to be here. I've been privileged to um, be part of of this roundup, and I've moved here to Seaside a couple of months ago from Portland, so I have the opportunity to welcome all of you from wherever you've come from. And I was out there doing name tags last night, my God, we've got them from all over. We've got them from Minnesota, we've got them from Las Vegas, we've got them from Portland, we've got them from Washington. It's really exciting to see all of these people come together and it's so exciting to know that no matter where I go to live, there's Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't care what part of the world I go to to live, there's Alcoholics Anonymous. It's really a pleasure to be here and be a part of you. Thank you, I'm going to call on Jerry.
4: My name is Jerry Craig. I'm a drug addict and alcoholic. Hi, Jerry. Grateful to be clean and sober and alive today. Um, oh, Barbara, you didn't catch me in one of my uh, better moods in recovery. Geez. Um, <laughs> well, it's always the question when you get up for a podium, am I going to lie or tell the truth? Um, <clears throat> I say today that I am a. Uh, <sighs> grateful to be clean and sober and alive because that's really the truth and it wasn't so true. Um, um, I started, uh, after after I'd been sober about a year, I started saying that I was grateful to be clean and sober because to remind myself of two things. One, that I was for that day and two, be, to remind myself that I wasn't always grateful to be clean and sober. Um, uh, and I struggled a long time against the compulsion to drink and use in the program. Um, and I just, today, added, grateful to be alive, because um, I've just come through and hope that it's over, um, or I'm sort of still in it. You know how, like, when you're in it, it's real hard to talk about it. I would love to give it to you in a little package when it's all over, i tell you how horrible it was. Um, tell a few jokes, you know, and you'll get it, and if you've been there, you'll know, and, if, and you'll just sort of get scared if you've not been there yet. Um, uh, you know, anybody, you know, oh, God, it's just funny. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about, um, oh, oh, they're going to have this talent show in, in Portland, the, the um, Living Let's Live Together Club is going to do a talent show, and uh, Anyway, we say we're going to do a thing about over four. You have to have four years of sobriety to qualify, and one of, one of the things is that um, your uh, recovery has to sound worse than your drunk log. <coughs> and uh, that's sort of been where where it's like. I didn't, I didn't know very much about surrender when I got here. Um, I was looking for a socialist feminist um, Alcoholics Anonymous. There wasn't any, um, and so I got here. You know, and it looked a whole lot like the Elks Club over at the Alumni Club. And, um, <laughs> While I was not into it, <laughs> but I was, I, what I say is that I was loved and tolerated into sobriety and that really is the truth. Um, I often like to say I liked it better when I was new because I was um, arrogant <laughs> and how I've been lately is humbled, absolutely humbled to powerlessness and um, through the only vehicle um, that I know how to get that way, which is emotional pain. And... Um, you know, I uh, I got some help, you know, I got some help that I really needed, and it didn't come in the way that I thought it should have come. Um, I had four and a half years of sobriety, I had been working the steps of the program, I thought that I had done it all right. And, uh, God, I still get fucked up in this one part about, because what I'm told by sponsoring stuff is you did do it right. It took exactly what you did, every step that you took to get you where you were. Well. Where I ended up was four and a half years of sobriety in a psychiatric hospital, suicidally depressed, and uh, and I and I was amazed that I'd gotten there. I had experienced um, a lot of loss. My mother died. You know, lovers left, kids gone. You know, inability to function at work. All of these kinds of things. But intellectually, I could not work my way out of it. I just couldn't. And. A basic belief that I had about myself was that emotional pain would kill me. Um, The only thing that I did with that um, was to assign myself as executioner. Um, I believe that was the one mistake that I I did make, Uh, although, um, uh, you know, like Bob Earl says, you know, there were a lot of Eskimos in my path, so that that didn't happen. But a lot for me, fighting what was for me. Um, Now sort of occurs to me as more of a fleeting thought, similar to like drugs and alcohol, you sort of recoil from it as a hot flame, like the book teaches us. I'd never had the compulsion to off myself. I'd never had that. I was amazed. I used it as one more excuse to um, beat myself up, to say that I was not worthy, to say that I had somehow failed this program that had saved my life. I was mortified, just absolutely mortified. and I'm still coming out of that. And I'm still coming out of that. Um, uh, the one thing that I did have to hang on to was that I was clean and sober. Um, after seven days, I decided that was long enough for any drug addict to be expected to stay clean in the nut house. Um, it was a whole lot like living with the connection. Uh, and as — I mean, I'm grateful that I had that in my life. Um, What people wanted to do was somehow chemically take my pain away and I knew that enough to know that I wasn't clinically depressed, you know, I knew that I was both depressed and agitated and crazy, you know, you know, it was time for the second step, you know. They told me when I got here, step two, is the step for you, you know. Um, But anyway, what's true about the vision that I have for me today in my life, um, is that you know, that I don't always know where I'm going. You know, since being associated with, with AA, there's not been a lot of times when I have felt lost. I got lost, and the people in the 12 Steps programs in my life, Narcotics Anonymous, Alan Hunt, and uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, I believe one more time, saved my life. Had a remarkable experience happening in that little mud house. I had a fear when I got sober, and it was I was going to end up a Republican housewife in Beaverton. Uh, And I ended up a crazy lesbian in, in Cedar Hill Psychiatric Hospital, which is real fucking close to Beaverton. And and one night when I was just crazy, just crazy there, I'd been asked for the third time by one of the people who were not yet. I felt real grateful a bunch of times when I was there because there's a whole lot of us there, you know. I mean I don't know anybody besides maybe one anorexic who doesn't need this program who's in the know. house but um I found a big book um that had been left there by the women's acceptance group in Lake Oswego and I read the inscription that was on it and I don't know whether those women knew that somebody with four and a half years sobriety would be reading in that book but that gave me hope that night up until that point what I've been doing was signing a contract 12 hours at a time, which felt like a whole lot, like being in the army, um, that I wouldn't leave there and I wouldn't kill myself. You know? Um, and it was not that, um, that I was looking at suicide as an easy way out. It wasn't like that. That's what I always thought suicide would be, you know, I mean, and it wasn't like that. What it was was just that I had somehow uh, abandoned myself, you know? And what my sponsor tells me, and I believe her because she has walked through this. She didn't read it somewhere, she didn't learn. I I, mean, I, I saw her walk through it. 10 years later, I saw her walk through it. You know, and that was three years ago. And, um, and another dear friend of mine from Al-Anon that I believe walked through this. I now call her my suicide sponsor. <laughs> um, and I love her dearly. Um, anyway, what, what I'm told is that what I will learn out of this is a connection with a higher power so that no matter what happens in my life, I will never leave me. I tried to drink myself to death, use myself to death, and I didn't know anything about this other kind of stuff. And it's all real new to me, and it's real fucking embarrassing. But I know that that I'm clean and sober alive today because women got up in front of of podiums and told me the truth. I did not relate to people who were doing little, what I call Lawrence Wealth blown bubbles, saying everything's wonderful, wonderful. And, Jesus Christ. But anyway, and so I can remember the women, you know, they come to me in visions. They come to me in dreams. You know, they come to me carrying um, truth. And I remember them sharing their pain in sobriety. You know, I didn't feel a whole lot of pain when I was drinking Usually, When I did, I got fucked up because it worked. And I did it for as long as it worked. But I remember them sharing my pain. That's their pain, and that's that's the power that I get from them you know I take a bit of each story that I hear you know and use it in my life and uh, you know boy I really am grateful to be here thank you a lot
5: I'm I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict Um, it really feels good to be here it's like a—I was thinking the feeling that I got was like a a breath of fresh air Um, I sobered up here in Seaside after I'd gone through court or treatment at Serenity by the Sea Um, talking about women and how I relate to them now in AA is a subject I don't think I've thought a whole lot about. And uh, it, it really just kind of slapped me upside the head when we first started talking about this today. And looking back when I was drinking or using how I regarded women, I did not relate to them. There was just no way I related to them. Men um, I hated. Uh, I married one and he died. Um, a man raped me, so... Uh, one of them that I went out with was an alcoholic, so they really stunk as far as I was concerned. So I went through life with a great deal of hate, a uh, great deal of distru- uh, distrust. My father was a practicing alcoholic; <coughs> he still is, and so there was a real distance between myself and men. So not being able to relate to women and hating men put me in a real lonely place, and. That pretty much describes my drinking and using in my whole life desperate and lonely and of course terribly unique because no one understood i found that um, through the program and acceptance of the program and the 12 steps i don't have these feelings toward men and i don't have the same feelings toward women anymore um we're all people there's women in AA and the men in AA, we're all in the same boat, and there's not that feeling of competition I had before, there's a lot of loving and caring and sharing, Um, that's how I get sober, that's how I stay sober, is hearing you um, talk to me, listen to me, hear me, and offer to me what you've got. I don't have a whole lot to say about the subject because I think I'm a little bit nervous up here. I'd like to call on someone else. I'd like to call on Paula. (laughs) Paula, you need to come up here.
6: I'll get you, Esther. Oh. Got here a little late, Collect myself. So I said I'm an alcoholic and an addict and I sort of feel like the lady that got up here last night said she thought she'd wet her pants. I think I'm going to throw up into the mic. <laughs> oh, I've had meeting lag lately. I don't know if anybody can you hear me now? Now? Here? Is that it? Yeah. I've had meeting lag lately. Um, I go to a meeting and I hear something and I'm obsessed with it until I go to the next meeting and I'm still thinking about that and somehow it connects up. I came to the first meeting yesterday afternoon and we were talking about friendship and although when I came to AA that's when I really learned about friendship I thought back uh, to the drinking days when I was in the bars and it seems that I have always been attracted to alcoholics I, I can't I think that's another addiction I can't seem to stay away from them either you know when drinking or when sober and I thought for a long time that practicing alcoholics were not my friends. And I've had to uh, let go of all old ideas, and that's one of them. Um, God is in the streets, God is in the bars, uh, Through He works through you people, and He works through other alcoholics to keep me alive. Uh, the bottle definitely led here. The friends that I had in bars were alcoholic. Uh, covered my back a whole lot and with my act that I took to the streets and the bars I definitely needed my back covered. Um, You saw that I fed myself when I could not, uh, when I had neither the money nor the inclination to do so. Uh, You took me home when I got 86. It was a lot more than I'd like to admit. You saw that I got the last drink uh, you were my friends when I drank, and it's a real spiritual irony to me that you are my friends today. Uh, I am really excited about this conference. I can't seem to stay away from the podium. I've been to one other conference, and that was in Grant's Pass two years ago. And I had four days' sobriety and had to walk what seemed like 10 miles up to get my copy of the big book. They thought I needed a big book. i had four days. And a terrible thing had happened. I had lost, was staying in a band with friends, and I'd lost my hairbrush. And I know that no one believed I even had three hours for the way that I looked. I looked like a wild woman. And the, the cheering frightened me. <laughs> oh! So it's it's really it's a it's a wonderful thing to be here with all of you i i feel sort of like esther uh i don't have a whole lot to say on enough on the subject of women friends i didn't have any women friends when i drank she said it we were all in competition uh i don't i, I don't know we have not had a great uh, a great many women's meetings in our area um, so uh, mostly mostly the the men have been included and i think very early on i took the attitude that uh i drank with the men it was okay to get sober with them you know they are they are my friends also so it's it's really nice to be here it's really nice to be here this is kind of a sad day for me it's my real birthday and uh My husband is somewhere out in the middle of the Pacific. He is not here. He's not here to share in this conference. He is also an alcoholic. So I'm, again, you know, I I used to go to the bars when I was bummed and be with you alcoholics. And I'm bummed today, and here I am again with you alcoholics.